0: Jason, thank you so much for coming on Startup Steroid today. I'm uh, excited to sort of talk to you and learn more about learn, C, Do and how you're building out the company. Uh, but before we get into the specifics, start by uh, introducing yourself.
1: Yeah, uh, my name is Jason Merrick. Uh, I'm CEO and President of learn, C, Do. Um And for our initial launch, it's LearnCDo Care. So that is kind of uh, our name for the launch uh, of our MVP coming on June 24th.
0: Okay. Um, tell us a little bit about your background, how you sort of got started, and uh, you know uh, any relevant experience coming into this.
1: A lot, a lot. <laughs> um, so there is, uh, I have two kind of deep background experiences uh, that uh, feed um, my experience as a new CEO at do. So um, two tracks. One is healthcare. I've been in healthcare for over twenty years uh, on many different sides of it uh, in multiple areas. I've been. I started as a first responder when I was like eighteen or nineteen. Uh, when on my very first emergency call at that age, I still remember it. I've had thousands of uh, you know experiences or uh, encounters with patients since, but I still remember that very first one. Uh, the road, the situation, you know. It's like a flashback to me, uh, and that's what started it. I've, I've you know, since then uh, in medical care, it's a lot of it's on the emergency side, uh, the, kind of that adrenaline junkie, uh, and evolved from there. But first responder, EMT, um, paramedic, um, kind of on that background, firefighter as well, uh, professional firefighters. So I've had that uh, that experience in the emergency side of things, seen a lot, done a lot, um, and then also in the the more institutional setting where I've been an ER tech, um, a tech. I've also now been a licensed nurse and charge nurse as well. So uh, I've had both uh, the experience on the street and the institutional kind of uh, larger hospital setting experience as well. Um, so that's my healthcare. Um, and then also uh, separately, I had startup experience. So when I graduated UC Davis in 99, 2000, uh, I, what was then an incubator? Now I think we call it an accelerator. Uh, but I joined. I was in a part of a program while I was going through UC Davis, um, an incubator program, and then was the first intern at the UC, uh, University of California Davis's incubator called UCD, uh, UCD Connect. So I helped kind of get that program program going as the first intern there. Um, and then from there, I joined uh, through my different uh, connections and work. I, I got connected with a cable a media or cable executive um, from a and History Channel. And we worked on launching a telecom in, in Mexico. Um, uh, and then from there, we worked on lifestyle uh, media channels. And my startup experience has uh, grown from there as well. Uh, these two merged for me, um, you know, in 2019, when my daughter was born. So, um, you know, when she was born, uh, you know, I was the time I was work. We were, uh, I had met my two founding partners and we were working on a expert, um, guided, uh, video call app, a new app on how to deploy it. And my daughter was born. And we had the. Ex- I had the experience as a new parent, and it was quite obvious that the pediatric space w- and telecare, telehealth was lacking, and uh, it guided us to where we're at today.
0: Fantastic! Yeah. So, uh, I understand that uh, you're interested in the pediatric uh, telehealth space, but tell us a little bit more about that vision. What? Well, how? What was the initial idea behind starting that vision?
1: Right. Um, so the initial idea was. You know, at the time, uh, I had started coming up with the idea early 2019, and I thought that mobile video was underutilized as a, uh, a business avenue. Uh, it was just being used, web conference, um, not nearly as much as it is today. It was being mostly used peer-to-peer, and I thought there was a great uh, you know, commercial uh, side to, to uh, mobile video. And mobile video conferencing. So beyond, you know, just uh, a board meeting or a hosting a meeting, but where it could be a dynamic uh, medium for an expert to provide advice to a user. So that's where it started. Um, and then I saw the benefit of a, being a new parent on how much a parent was kind of um, just left out there alone on an island. So not only did we see the commercial aspect of mobile video, uh, via your, your mobile phone, your smartphone, but also the space was pediatric and then pandemic hit, And, you know, the rest is history. But, uh, the initial thought was that we could, um, you know, and basically empower an individual to do something themselves. You had Upwork, you had TaskRabbit, you had all these services that, uh, allowed you to hire somebody to do it for you. Um, but what about empowering you to do it yourself? I have an idea. I have a knowledge. I just need some advice. Somebody to take a look in what I'm doing. And empower me to make to do it for myself. So that was the initial thought, uh, and then uh, we concentrated on the pediatric healthcare space.
0: So. Sure. I, I, I love the idea and I love the, the motivation behind, you know, empowering parents to do it themselves. But why focus on the pediatric end? Um, because most telehealth companies, especially back then before the pandemic, were, you know, more uh, physician focused to more sort of broad spectrum. What, what made you decide into uh, going into this uh, pediatric space specifically?
1: Um. You know, twofold, pediatrics can be largely segmented by developmental stage and age. Those two don't always necessarily coincide with each other. So there is the opportunity to focus on a segment of pediatrics without having to do the whole pie. Uh, and that's from conception, conception to 18 years of age. Uh, and there's many different uh, segments in that age range, uh, both based on age and development that you can concentrate on and just focus on. You add to that, and I can tell you uh, anecdotally, uh, and I would say most medical ex- expert or medical providers, clinicians, uh, whatever it may be, would agree with me. It is very hard to change adult behavior. Very, very hard. So what you're seeing with all the technology out there today has a very marginal, in my opinion, approach to it because you're changing behavior, and it's very hard, as we know, to change behavior. So why? change behavior, why not create established behavior? So we do so by working through the parent to create that that behavior with healthcare, with development, with you know that whole spectrum from the beginning. A parent is very engaged. They want the best for their child. So we want to be part of that process and establishing the behavior rather than in 50 years change that behavior. So we can have a much, big, much bigger difference early on than 50 years down the road
0: that's fantastic answer and that you know that that that's a great sort of you know when uh, there are new parents you know they they have tons of questions and i think it's a fantastic market uh, that you've picked um so now that you have an idea now that you have this sort of vision to create this app how did you go about doing that how uh, what players did you bring in uh, to put the right pieces in place
1: Right. So I've had, uh, this is my fourth or or more startup that I've been involved with. Um, and one, this is the first where I said, I'm taking over. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do it in my vision, uh, take all the experience I've had and run with it. So, um, you know what, I learned two things early on, uh, through my experiences. One is the biggest effect you can have is the team you choose. Uh, and uh, two is get a general counsel legal advice uh, from the beginning. So those were the two things I implemented right away. Um, and so the first person that I got on board was Mark November, our, our first advisor, and uh, we only have three advisors at this time. So we're very selective in the, in the advisors we choose. We don't believe in um, a large board that just looks good. You know, uh, all our advisors are steeped in, helping out um, in the front line of our startup, if you will. And so Mark November came in at the beginning, uh, and what he does really well is build executive teams, build founding teams. Uh, And I reached out to Mark and I said, hey, you know what, I have a great idea. Um, I I need your help building the team because I don't have anybody in mind right now. That's what Mark does. That's his specialty. Uh, And he helped me build my executive team. We all get along real great. There's only three of us, um, and we each bring something different to the table and so we're very synergistic. And that's when Mark came in. Not only did he help us build our team, but he helped us build, add the advisors um, and then kind of industry connections. So he's just a connector. And that's where that's why he was a great first advisor, because he builds teams. Uh, secondly, I found um, uh, our general counsel, uh, Katie. So she came on. She's helped divert us from some big mistakes, adding advice, giving legal advice, creating contracts, but just watching our back from the beginning. Um so that's kind of the two first people and I'd say that's you know what I've done from the beginning then afterwards you know after Mark after Katie the next two people that came on were my executive team uh first was Mustafa Sayrek, who's our CTO uh deep technology experience both uh from you know the kind of the the um this you know just the the worker perspective all the way up to the manager to the head of a department so he brings that depth of knowledge I know teams work really hard for him, so uh, he was he's brings our technology side. He's worked at Ingram Micro, Qualcomm, Sony, where he's director of engineering, head of engineering for uh, Sony Crackle, which uh, now grew to 19 million users before being sold and is now, I think, one of the largest free t- uh, streaming services on your TV. So uh, he's had success in technology, and mobile and video is his sweet spot. So he knows what to develop. He knows how to build it. He has the vision. He loves the app that, you know, came on board, loving the idea. And then Sam, uh, he, operational perspective, also marketing, uh, marketing genius. He's grown and ramped up startups and tech companies. Uh, most recently, booking live out of the UK, which is now global. Uh, at the time, was only in the UK. So, he's expanded it with the global outreach and then the partners um, in every country as well and or customers, which is a B2B model. So, uh, Sam is well-rounded, he's grown tech companies, he understands marketing. So these guys came on, they bought into my vision, um, and they've helped us grow to the point where we're ready to launch.
0: That's fantastic. Uh, so you, you've been doing this, you said you started about two years ago, so 2019. Um, yes. You started uh, building the platform and then ran headfirst into the pandemic. So tell us about what happened in 2020 when uh, you know the pandemic hit.
1: Um, you know, it just validated the path we were already on. We didn't really have to, um, I would think it did from a regulatory perspective, it made things easier, much easier for us. Uh, it did two things. I think the biggest things is we didn't divert much. We saw what was coming, you know, uh, it probably accelerated the industry, you know, by five years or more. Um, but from our perspective, we were already seeing that eventual change. So uh, it, it validated our vision. Um, but from a kind of, uh, I guess you would say nuts and bolts perspective, it did two things on the ground. It One, accelerated the regulatory map. So, you know, the feds put an emergency basis where you could have uh, remote health care um, consults. And then he accelerated the the insurance paradigm by allowing telehealth visits to get reinsurance um, from Medicare and Medicaid. Um, but uh, so that's one thing. But alternatively, it, it greatly increased our potential competition uh, as well because a lot of people saw an opportunity where you know we were sitting pretty comfortably and where we were coming from, and you know, but it opened people's eyes pretty quickly. So. Uh, Competition is good; we don't mind, um, but it definitely hit that accelerate button um, from that side as well.
0: Absolutely. So now you're just getting ready to launch your platform. So tell me, sort of, what sort of uh, process you've gone through? Uh, you know, that initial alpha product and how you've sort of tested and so on and so forth.
1: Right. So you know, the, the, again, this is where my past experience comes into play. From the very beginning, as we've, you know. M- our team, our development team was built, um, from Mustafa's connection. So it's, the, the best way to build a team. It's all come together from people he's known who knew people. So it was organically built. Everybody got along real well. Um, uh, they were all on the same page. So team get get, came together nicely. At the same time, you know, it, uh, we built a focus group. So, the focus group, uh, we have a, a focus group, what I call a focus group, there's different names for it now, but it was made up of healthcare experts that were also parents. So they added two perspectives to that developmental phase. So as we added, created the development team, we in parallel, we created a focus group, which was made up of uh, kind of people that had carried two hats, so demand and supply, if you will. They were parents and they were also healthcare experts. So an ER physician, um, an ICU, a pediatric ICU nurse at UCSF. We had um, a, a woman who was a parent, new parent as well, who owned a, a group of physical therapy offices here in the Bay area. She has she's a business owner herself uh, from the mental health side as well. A child interventionist uh, who worked with the worst, you know, very poor family situations for children on the mental health side. So we had six of these experts that come in from that side of things and added perspective on whether or not this was a core need for an app that they would like to see built uh, from both a parent and an expert's perspective. So that, in conjunction with our development team, kind of both starting in together and parallel, had a lot of energy and they fed off each other. And a lot of the design features of our app have stem. We had we had weekly meetings, so we didn't just kind of wasn't a token focus group. It was embedded with development. They had weekly meetings. Um, and so every week it was being developed. They had uh, meetings with our focus group as well on uh, Wednesdays. So that's been a unique feature of our development side of things. You know, we decided to develop both Android and iOS at the same time um, because, uh, you know, iOS. A lot of people in in the United States use Apple. Some use Android. It just it was hard to diverge the populations into two. There wasn't a clear distinction between the two, so we had to do both at the same time as well. So that added kind of a little bit of labor to our, our app. Um, and then two, we we decided to make our app uh, superior technology wise. So we put a lot to the back end um, as opposed to the front end. So our app is only. Um, you know, somewhere between 22 and 33 megabits in size, very fast, very lean. Um, You know, you have Zoom, which is about 130 something megabytes, you know, 135, 137 megabytes in size. And where we have about, uh, you know, 50 to 60% functionality of Zoom uh, through our app for just MVP Uh, and all our features, you know, our development teams had the experience, uh, including our CTO, a feature creep. So, Every feature that's been included has, you know, has found a need. It is not a nice to have. It is a we think it is necessary to have. So those aspects of our development have really created a streamlined app. Our development teams in Argentina, part of our development teams in Argentina. So on a regular basis, we've been testing it um, from from the U.S. to Argentina to make sure it has a high fidelity of streaming. So. We know that aspect. And then for launch, you know, we got approved both on iOS and Android for beta. Um, And we've, it's invite only because it's, we're HIPAA compliant. That's another thing we've added into our development as well. So we're by a third party consultant who has certified us. So it's official. That's added to, and now we're finishing pen testing Because of HIPAA and because of what you see with security out there today, the security concerns on on data and you know privacy and health information. So it's a robust initial app uh, that's been thoroughly tested, further tested when we launch on a market scale in Arizona.
0: That's fantastic. So yeah, it seems like you've done a lot of great work to sort of come to this point. Now, when are you launching your uh, app? Tell us that the date.
1: June twenty fourth in Arizona.
0: June 24th, and uh, initially, you already have a huge list of professionals as well as customers. Let's talk a little bit about how you sort of work both of those, and uh, I think you're going to start with a small number of professionals first, right? Only about 10 or uh, so. Professionals first. Um, so tell us how you sort of built out that list and uh, how you're focusing on these things.
1: Right. Um, I think it was by uh, again. This is another aspect where I think the pandemic really have, uh, helped us. There was at the time, you know, we just literally uh, almost a marketing budget of zero. I think now we're um, paying for a subscription at two hundred fifty dollars a month. The last three months, so a total of less than a thousand dollars, and that's about it. All we spent on marketing. Okay. Um, to get here, but we just opened up our platform, which was a landing page, posted some free ads, and you know, within a little over two months, we had over sixteen thousand uh, experts from across the U.S. apply to our platform uh, because it was resonating at the time. You know, there was a lot of nurse practitioners, a lot of people associated with primary care groups out of work, so they were looking for opportunity, and they stumble on us, and then word of mouth. So it just grew organically from the expert side of things. Um, and, uh, that's kind of how it's grown, um, in every state, you know, high concentration in California and Illinois, now just nurse practitioner in Arizona. And I think, um, people are starting to realize the, um, the great, uh, how versatile nurse practitioners are, uh, and, and how valuable they are as well. Um, so I think in, in, in California, the opportunity is huge because in 2023, you know and and just uh, a little under two years i think um in california nurse practitioners are going to be able to practice under uh with their full license without having to have collaborative agreements with uh um physicians so they are going to fill a lot of the health the primary care space in california that's
0: let's, kind let's of you explain see that a little bit more because the distinction between a nurse practitioner and an rn isn't necessarily clear to everyone who might be listening So explain that for
1: us first. Right. So um, a huge difference, uh, night and day. It's the difference between an EMT and a paramedic uh, as far as RN and and nurse practitioner is concerned. So an RN um, can, you know, we practice, I'm an RN, under the the strict supervision of a physician. uh, And we're limited in what we we can't prescribe. uh, We can't put in orders. We can't diagnose. We follow the orders of the doctor. In order to do anything substantial, and, and you know, there can be a lot underneath that saying, but we have to get the authorization of a physician as well. Right. Um, you know, we can do some skills that we have. We can deliver medications. We can't prescribe medications. Yep. Um, so that's a and that's a distinction. We can't put it in an order. Uh, we have to go to a physician and say, "Hey, you know, uh, this is what's going on with the patient." you know, they have a pain in the right arm, they fall, they fell two weeks ago, what do you think we should do? Oh, put in an x-ray, great, but could you put in an order for the x-ray? Right. Uh, so that's kind of what, you know, RNs are very limited in that way. Nurse practitioner, however, has a higher level certification, more education, has a master's, sometimes a doctorate, uh, and it's going that direction. And so it's a DNP or a, a FNP, which is family nurse practitioner, primary nurse practitioner, and so right now, it depends on the state. So let's say you use Arizona, for example. That nurse practitioner can put in a medication order. They can, they can prescribe a medication. They can put in an order for that x-ray. Uh, they can put in a diagnosis. So they can do a lot, not everything of a physician. They don't have that seven year. It's not the same, but at level, but for a primary care, it is often enough. They're not surgeons um, but they have that experience, that background and that education to be able to act in that primary capacity. Also, they have that experience to be able to say, you know, OK, that's a fever. You know, you take Tylenol for it or, you know, we think it's an infection. We're going to put in a prescription for antibiotics, you know, I need to learn a little bit more about you. They, You know, if they're going to put in a medical order, then they have to get a little bit more deeper into that background. That, you know, what are your allergies? A little more than that. But they can then go into that, that paradigm or to, into that aspect. So right. RNs are very limited from that initial assessment. Nurse practitioners can carry it to the next step.
0: Exactly, so I think that's such an important thing to uh, know when we're having this discussion. When you're talking about Arizona nurse practitioners, uh, you're talking about the folks who can essentially run a practice independently and, and can take care of all of these things for their patients. Um, right. So I think that's a very important thing. So now June twenty fourth is is the uh, day you're going to launch. What's the next uh, step? W- what are you hoping to accomplish in let's say the next uh, twelve months?
1: Right. So the next twelve months, um, it's it's multifaceted. You know, we can a lot of ambition, but you know, with the experience, very strategic and how we expect to grow. Um, we are going to grow technologically. I haven't talked much about our app at all, um, but we have unique features like the ability uh, for our experts to, you know, if you were to use Zoom, for example, if you were to use Google Meets, you recognize that that child's in distress. You tell the parent they have to call 911. Then you have to hang up and hope they call 911. Uh, maybe call them back. So with our app, the expert can swipe and then confirm that they meant to call emergency services beyond that app with that parent as that ambulance arrives. So they, can, they don't have to leave the call itself, how important that is from being a parent and concerned to being the expert and having that concern to be able to stay in communication through the call itself. And that came from that focus group and that development team interaction from the beginning. So we've embedded that in our app. So there's features like that are part of our app. Um, medical record wise, we think we're on the, the forefront of that as well. Um, in the way we look at the, the recorded call itself so further develop the app based on feedback that we receive in our development team and keeping everybody together with that pace you know getting to a B2B model we so allowing allowing you know we look at one of our uh, three initial customers as primary care practices so where we provide after hour services so middle of the night weekends holidays we partner with and um, with the primary care provider and we within 6 months or sooner we'll have that B2B model uh, where we can partner uh, directly with those primary care groups. Um, so there's the building of the app itself, the technology itself. And then I think from uh, a demand side, it is, so it's kind of, you know, growing within Arizona with the, from the nurse practitioners. So building that referral network uh, first for parents with young children. So physical therapists, doulas, um, you know, certified nurse midwives, things that uh, a parent with a new child would, uh, Kind of specialty wise, that would be interested in so that that nurse practitioner can be, you know, okay, we think this is mobility related. Would you like to talk to the physical therapist right now? Great. Well, this is one that's available to you. They can't uh, do a certain referral laws, uh, you know, and each state has their own, uh, but it could be a suggestion. This is available to you. Um, and then they can jump on and talk to a physical therapist. So building out that additional revenue line with specialists at the same time, spanning to California. So what we're doing in California is we're looking for a chief medical officer uh, because within California for our nurse practitioners to, to act within their full scope of their license, they have to have a, com- um, a collaborative agreement with a physician um, who then oversees the advice they're giving uh, and how they're working and operating. And again, 2023, that's going to change. But until then we have to have the, position overseeing uh, how they operate. So we're a um, looking for a chief medical officer to oversee a professional corporation or a PC, uh, and then also adding in a, a LearnCDU as a MSO or a management services organization to act. So we're building a regulatory structure to enable our model in California at the same time. So I would say um, it is growing in, in, in scale and scope within California, Arizona, and then additional states as we as makes sense
0: perfect okay and uh i think that routine i think is going to skyrocket the demand also so i think that that's fantastic um what's the grand vision for learn c do uh, you know let's look out you know three five seven years um where do you see this company going
1: um you know again it's well it's very simple and, and, and it's, a, it's a big statement. It's an ambitious statement, being the, but being the number one pediatric care provider in the U.S. Uh, and it starts very humbly with this advice line. Um, it can grow into, uh, you know, uh, primary care. It can grow into um, monitoring. So baby tech as well. Uh, it can grow into uh, having our own offices, serving underserved areas like the rural areas where we know, you know, what's happened a lot across the U.S. is that you have primary care that's centered around hospitals. Um, hospitals have a great function, but they shouldn't be the only, only function in healthcare when it comes to practice and distribution. So look at areas that aren't serviced by hospitals, which is large swath of the U.S. So how can we fill in those gaps where there's a lack of care as well? What about mental health for older children? um, getting into that aspect as well. Uh, as you, as you know, you get into adolescent, as you get into preteens, as you get into toddlers, there's different, um, care models for these children as well. Uh, and what about, in, you know, what about, um, providing for the entire child? So that gets an education. So there's a lot of opportunity uh, for us to move into and where we see that demand going, uh, both technologically and demand and service levels, um, is where it will expand to, but I think overall being the number one pediatric care provider in the U.S.
0: Fantastic. And then, of course, <laughs> yeah. you know,
1: I think uh, we would dovetail into a large provider, you know, depending on what way Amazon goes, what way Walmart goes, CVS. It could be Aetna. It could be um, United Health. you know, who's getting a little bit of flack right now. Um, and then it could be, Teladoc at KBM well but I think we dovetail nicely into adult chronic and elderly care as well a whole different segment of the population so you know pediatrics uh, fits into large players nicely.
0: Fantastic and there's obviously a lot of opportunity to grow in those in those markets um, so I yeah I think uh, you have a fantastic vision and I think uh, you're, you're getting started in the right way putting the right pieces in place so uh, congratulations and on, on that, and uh, best of luck for all of the future uh, plans that you've sort of laid out. Um, thank you very much for coming on today, and uh, yeah, let's continue the conversation. Keep us posted on your progress. And uh, investors who might be listening, who if they're interested, uh, look on uh, in the description for the links to connect with Jason and uh, to have you know to learn more about his company, login into Startup Steroid, the entire profile, including his pitch deck, all of the documents are there as well. Um, so, Jason, thank you again for coming on and sharing your story with us. I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you, all. I appreciate it. Thank you.
0: Absolutely.